Reading from the book of Jeremiah tonight, looking at the 32nd chapter, and starting with verse 16. Jeremiah 32, 16. Now, when I had delivered the evidence of the purchase unto Barak, the son of Nerah, I prayed unto the Lord, saying, Ah, Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power, and hast stretched out thine arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. For thou showest loving kindness unto thousands, and recompensest the iniquity of the fathers unto the bosom of their children after them, the great, the mighty God, the Lord of hosts is his name. Great is his counsel, and mighty in work, for thine eyes are upon all the ways of the sons of men, to give everyone according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings, which has set the signs and wonders in the lands of Egypt, and even unto this day in Israel, and among other men, and has made thee a name as at this day, and has brought forth thy people Israel out of the land of Egypt, with signs and wonders, and with a strong hand, and with a stretched out arm, and with great terror. And thou hast given them this land, which thou didst swear to their fathers to give them, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they came in, and they possessed it, and they obeyed not thy voice, neither walked in thy law. They have done nothing of all that thou hast commandest them to do. Therefore, thou hast caused all of this evil to come upon them. Behold the mounts. They are come into the city to take it. And the city is given into the hand of the Chaldeans that fight against it because of the sword and of the famine and of the pestilence. And what thou hast spoken is come to pass, and behold, thou seest it. And thou hast sent unto me, O Lord God, buy thee the land of the field for money, and take witnesses, for the city is given unto the hand of the Chaldeans. Then the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah, saying, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? This is a wonderful prayer that Jeremiah prayed. He offered this prayer at a most difficult time in his life. Uh, as a way of background, he was imprisoned for prophesying the word of the Lord. He prophesied that Israel would be captured by the armies of Nebuchadnezzar. And he prophesied the fall of Jerusalem. And for that, true prophecy in light of the fact that others were prophesying otherwise, he was cast into prison. The Babylonian army surrounded the city, and the Babylonian victory would be secure once the king of Judah is captured. As a matter of fact, there's an eerie detail just a little bit earlier in this chapter of the passage that I read to you, where it says in verse 4, eyes behold eyes, eyes behold eyes, speaking of the king. And this eerie detail speaks of what was eventually going to happen, that when the king was captured, he was taken away to where Nebuchadnezzar was, and his sons were killed in front of him, and then his eyes were put out, so that was the last thing that he saw. So it was a, I only say this from the standpoint you can get a sense of what a terrible, terrible time it was. But during that time when Jeremiah was there faithfully prophesying 
what the Lord had told him to say, the Lord sent his cousin to him to tell him that he should exercise the right of inheritance of the family property because it was the year of Jubilee. This was something that the Lord set up long ago, the ability for people to reclaim land that they had lost uh, during a period of time that cycled every 50 years. And Jeremiah was told by his cousin that the Lord wanted him to do that. And the Lord revealed to Jeremiah that his cousin would be reaching out to him. And Jeremiah, in prison, obeyed what the Lord told him to do, even though in the natural, it seemed like a ginormous waste of time and resources. Why would you recapture land and reclaim it for your own if the land was about to be taken over by the enemy? It was almost a futile exercise. And he had to resist the inclination to act based on what was evident. And that's only simply human nature. But he did it anyway. And the reason that he did is because it was the command of the Lord. And he did that which God told him to do, even though it made absolutely no sense at all. You know, our nature is to reason things out based on the obvious. We do that all the time, don't we? We uh, have a choice to make, and we make an educated guess as to what direction we should go or whatever, but based on what is obvious. In other words, typically in our day-to-day routine, we look to our inward resources to make decisions to do what we do on a day-by-day basis. There are times when things come to us that are more um, serious, more um, long-term in their ramifications if they get carried out. And at those particular times, you know, we should look to the Lord. And even during those times, often we have a tendency to look inward before we look upward. And with this tendency, we draw upon the experience of our personal resources rather than on the power of God. It's human nature. But there's a danger in that. And the danger is that in the, in the course of doing that, we may give up instead of pressing on when things don't go the way that we're hoping that they will. And this is kind of the situation that Jeremiah found himself in. If he pressed on and did what he was supposed to do and didn't do it and he reasoned it out, then he would be going against the word of the Lord instead of allowing the Lord to give him the direction that needed to be. It was a lesson for Jeremiah and a lesson for us today. You know, sometimes we wonder if we're doing the right thing, even when we feel like we have a good beginning, that we start out well at the beginning. You know, I'm not a pilot, and some of my closest friends are pilots, and so I listen to a lot of their aeronautical talk. And they, and they speak often of the danger of flying into a cloud. And the reason for that is that once you get into the cloud, then you lose your sense of orientation. And at that point, you're not sure whether you're flying upside down or right side up. You, you, you get all turned around because you can't, you don't have visual reference. But if you do have an instrument rating, and some of them, my friends do, then they can fly based on their instruments, but they have to trust their instruments. Well, it's much the same way with us with God and our relationship with the Lord and the decisions that we make. 
And that is that when we put our faith and our confidence in the Lord, we have to rely and trust in Him. Because if we begin um, this process and we decide to take matters into our own hands, then we can find ourselves like we're inside of a cloud upside down and, you know, prepared to crash. You know, a classic example of that is from, from Scripture is something, a story that we rehearse often. So please indulge me because it's such a familiar story, but it's about Peter walking on the water. When Peter uh, was uh, instructed by the Lord and, the, and uh, some other disciples to get into the boat and go to the other side of the lake, uh, they, they did that, but then a storm came up. And they were concerned that the storm was so boisterous that it could overwhelm them. But it was a boisterous storm. Well, Jesus appears to them walking on the water. And Peter, seeing the Lord off in a distance, says, Lord, if, can I come out of the boat and walk to you? Which was, you know, kind of a bold move. I mean, he thought, it sounded like a good idea at the moment, I'm sure. When he, when he said it, and considering the circumstances and everything that was going on, he steps out of the boat because the Lord bids him to come to him. And what does it tell us in Scripture? That when he looked around and he felt the wind blowing against him and the waves kicking up around him, he began to lose confidence in the Lord who had beckoned him, and he began to what? He began to sink. And as he went under, you know, he cried out unto the Lord. You know, it's interesting that this account about Jesus walking on the water is found in three Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and John. In the book of Matthew, it tells us Jesus walked on the water and that Peter walked to him. In the book of Mark, it tells us that Jesus walked on the water, but it omits that particular detail that Peter came out of the boat. Same thing with the book of John. It talks about Jesus walking on the water, and uh, but it doesn't mention anything about Peter. And I, I kind of wondered, you know, why is it the incident um, detailed three times? But missing what probably is the detail that we like the most. It's only in the book of Matthew. Well, in the book of Mark, and a lot of a lot of times, it's the book of Mark is coined Peter's gospel because Mark was a protege of Peter, and and it's considered that Peter schooled Mark in the details that he wrote down in that gospel. Peter probably felt so embarrassed, like it was one of his ultimate failures among some of the failures that he had along the way, bless his heart. Uh, but he, he's, he left that detail out and Mark doesn't write about it. As far as John's concerned, it's likely John was in the boat with Peter. They were partners in the fishing business and it was probably their boat. And so Peter had the courage to step out. John did not. So John conveniently leaves out that particular incident because he was probably embarrassed that he didn't step out of the boat. But Peter, Peter shouldn't think if that was the idea that he was a failure because he wasn't. What didn't Peter do? Well, Peter didn't swim and he could have done that. He was a fisherman. He was familiar with being on the water. It was an old hat to him. He could have swam back to the boat if it was even if he started sinking. He didn't cry out to his friends who were in the boat to t- ask them to help him. What he did do is he cried out to who? cried out to the Lord. He cried out to Jesus and tells us in the scripture there that immediately the Lord reached out his hand and pulled him up and they walked back to the boat together. A good start needs to continue to 
on as we put our faith and our confidence in the Lord. Because He is the Lord and there is nothing that's too hard for Him. In both Jeremiah 32, 19 and verse 24 of this chapter, it tells us that God sees everything that's going on. That's not news to us. We've been around the gospel long enough to have that understanding that the Lord is aware of everything that's going on. But this is what Jeremiah declares in this uh, this passage of Scripture, that the Lord sees everything that's going on. Why is God observing everything that's going on? He's not observing everything that goes on because he's trying to find an excuse to enact judgment on us. He's not peering in on us with the idea that I'm going to catch them at something. That's not the reason that God's looking down on us. He is looking because he desires to help us at our time of need. That's the God that we serve. May the Lord truly help us to understand the heart of God in this sense, that the God, that God is aware of everything that is going on because He's desiring to show Himself great on our behalf. He really is. He is absolutely in 100% invested in our spiritual success. And there's absolutely nothing too hard for Him as we face the challenges of life. However, unless we allow the Lord to intervene, in our lives as he sees fit, the miraculous will never be accomplished. We have to allow the Lord to intervene as he sees fit in our lives. And we need for him to be involved. We need for him to intervene. We want him. At times I ask the Lord in my prayers to interfere in my life. And that's a strong word. But I want the Lord to notice the path that I'm on, and I'm just sharing my heart with you about this, I want him to notice, and if I'm not on the path that is his path, I want him to intercept me. I want him to interfere in my plans. I want him to do what is necessary in order for me to accomplish what he wants me to do in my life. And I believe you feel the same way. I believe that you are absolutely committed to doing what the Lord wants you to do. At times, we're not exactly sure what that is. But when the Lord is uh, able to help us come to an understanding of the direction that he wants us to go, then we want to stay on that path. Just like Peter, when he, the Lord said, come on out, step out under the water. Lord had every intention for Peter to stay on top of the waves. His intention was not to teach him a lesson that he was going to sink that was because Peter got his eyes off the Lord. But he, when he kept his eyes, but when he got his eyes back on the Lord, then he had uh, the, the answer that he needed, get me out of this situation, and the Lord did. So we need miracles among us today. We really do. We really do. I'd like to take you to the book of Judges for just a moment. There's a story there that I feel is, is, is uh, helpful in this, in this. Judges, the sixth chapter, we read, the story of a man named Gideon and uh, his situation with the Midianite people. Briefly, the children of Israel at that time were living under the rule of the Midianites. And it was kind of a torturous existence. They were very, very oppressive towards the people. They limited what they could do, the places that they could go, the armaments that they could keep, 
the food that they could prepare. They had to do many things in secret just for survival. It was the way that it was in the land of that day. And God saw, just like Jeremiah declares that the Lord sees, the Lord saw what was going on with the children of Israel. And he sent an angel to where Gideon was. He was threshing wheat in secret, trying to just provide enough food for the people that relied on him. And he was just doing what he could do in order to improve the situation that he was in. And the efforts that he was making, those efforts were pretty bold for what was going on in those days, got the attention of the Lord. And Gideon is a very easy person to relate to when you think about it. He gets this message delivered to him from an angel, and he could hardly believe what he was being told. Uh, he was told that he was going to be a mighty deliverer. He's going to deliver the children of Israel out of the hand of the Midianites. And, and, and of all people, he was to lead this, them against the Midianite army. This Gideon, who was not a warrior, he was a thresher of wheat. He was just trying to provide for his family. He had no high ambitions to be a military leader, and yet the message comes from the Lord that this is the mission that he was putting him on. And as we read on in the story and the, and the challenges of, all, of how he dealt in trying to reconcile all of this, and finally comes to light that he was going to battle against a comparatively few, with a, with a comparatively few men against a large army with no actual weapons of war. So not only was he ill-equipped strategically as a military leader to, um, to do something like this, the, the weapons that he was going to be using were not even weapons of war. He was going to go, um, against this large army with 300 including him, so we got 301 men. They're going to go against an army with trumpets, with lamps, and with water pitchers. That was, that was his assignment. But Gideon dared to allow God to take control. He allowed the Lord to do what the Lord intended to do And he was just going to go along with the program because it was God's will and he was fully convinced that the Lord was able to accomplish what he needed to accomplish in in this most unusual way. And he knew that the only way that this would happen is if it was miraculous. And, you know, just to wrap up the story, is the fact that he did go up against the army. The Lord did give him a mighty victory. And he's famous and we hear about him preached in sermons and and talk about it all the time because Gideon dared to trust the Lord. So we have this man by the name of Jeremiah that's in a terrible situation. Situation that uh, he's in prison and he's instructed by God to do something and yet he chooses to do what God tells him to do because he trusts in the Lord. And we got a man by the name of Gideon who is in a terrible situation and a trying situation, but he does what he's told to do because he chooses to trust in the Lord. Because both of these men understood that there's nothing too hard for God to do. And from this, uh, I think we can glean some helpful thoughts. Four things come to my mind. I'll share them with you, and I'm numbering them four. One, two, three, four, so you know that I'm on a path here. 
Four keys to receiving victory from the Lord is what I put here in my notes. Because I think that we need to have some structure at times in order to make sure that we're on the path that the Lord wants us to be on and that it's a path towards victory. And the first thing that comes to my mind is trust. Trust that God is aware of our own personal situation. You have to believe that. We walk this Christian walk by faith. And it's a wonderful way, and we appreciate it, and we thank the Lord for this way. But we need to trust that the Lord is aware of our personal situation, because along the way we have challenges. We do, don't we? Things come up that are unexpected, things that we are that sometimes befuddle us. But we need to be absolutely trusting that God is aware of our personal situation. And sometimes we feel alone, even when we're among brethren and we have the support of others, sometimes we, we just feel alone. And in those moments, we must make the Lord our refuge. Allow the Lord to be the one that we look to ultimately because he is absolutely aware of our personal situation. So first, trust. Trust that the Lord is aware of our personal situation. Second, ignore Ignore the feelings of impossibility in our present circumstances. Sometimes we're, we feel like, I don't know how this is going to work out. This is so big. This is so impossible. Nobody's ever gone through this before, we'll tell ourselves. How could, this is totally unique. Solomon said there's nothing new under the sun, and he was right. It has happened to somebody before. But, you know, we're concerned about ourselves. It's just the way we we are. And so we need to ignore the feelings that this is an impossible situation. Because if we don't, it will only discourage us. We have to rise above it. Do like Jeremiah did. And rehearse what the Lord has accomplished in the past. I read a lengthy piece of scripture there, and I tell you, I'm going to be honest, I I wrestled with whether I should read that much scripture in starting out. I I was afraid that I might just alienate you all, and you're going to go like, when? How much is he going to read? But I had to, I, 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 you know, I I asked the Lord, should I read all of this? But I, I felt like I must, because I wanted you to see that when he made his prayer to the Lord, He rehearsed to the Lord what the Lord had already done. And it was so critical that we do that too. Rehearse the victories that have been won. Rehearse your personal victories. Rehearse the victories of those that that we know that have had great victories. Why do we have testimony services? Because we hear from people these words of encouragement that when they were facing challenges, the Lord took them through. We can add that to our prayer to the Lord. Lord, you took care of this for so-and-so. You took care of this for me. Or, above all, go to the Word. Lord, in the cis situation, in the Word of God, you did this and you did that, and you proved yourself to be great. So trust and ignore and then believe. Believe that God will give us a victory. Believe. It seems so simple and we just say that, believe. But we must If we don't say it, if we don't rehearse it, if we don't declare it, we must believe. We must, even though we find it's difficult to do it, 
we may strain to believe. We may, be, we may say we believe and not altogether believe that we believe. I just love this man in Mark, book of Mark, the ninth chapter, where he comes to the Lord and he says what? Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. I love the transparency of that, don't you? This man came before the Lord and he, he, he was doing all he could do. He was just saying, Lord, I believe. But then he just had to say, help thou my unbelief. Well, that confession moved the hand of Christ. The Lord didn't chide him for it. Well, you don't have enough faith. Come back to me when you have, when you can only say, I believe. No, the Lord took him at his word. He, he embraced him in that situation. And that type of an attitude will move the hand of God for you as well. Believe it. The Lord is just looking for you to look to him and exercise all the faith that you have. And the last one, continue. Continue to do God's will until his perfect plan for you is accomplished. Continue. We started out on this good way and we are going to continue. Amen? We are going to continue and we're going to do that by the grace of God. Doing so keeps our mind on the Lord. Doing so allows us to see the eventual victory unfold. If we stop short, we may stop short at, at the precipice of victory. Imagine enduring and enduring and praying and holding on and believing and trusting and you're right at the gate of victory and then you back off. You don't want to do that. We don't want to do that. We want to continue until we get all the way through because doing so honors God and brings glory to his name. Again, from the book of Jeremiah 32, 26, listen to these words. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Hmm. We'll answer that question. No, nothing is too hard for God. That declaration should give us confidence, confidence tonight and confidence for the days ahead. God, help us to continue to trust in the Lord. You know, he is good and he will take us through. He will, because there's absolutely nothing too hard for him. He is invested in you. He is invested in me. He wants to see us from, to get from earth to glory and we will, by the grace of God, we will have the victory. And God will help us. And he'll help us here tonight. We're going to have a time of prayer. We're going to open the altars for prayer. And we're going to do what we love to do best. And that is to bring ourselves before the Lord. To worship him. And to bring our petitions before him with faith believing. Do you need something from the Lord tonight? He is looking to, out for you tonight. He has the answer to what you need tonight. I believe that, and I think you believe it too. So God bless each and every one of us as we stand and sing song number 581.